Well, we're continuing our summer, our summer sermon series. I've had trouble saying that every week. Summer sermon series that we're calling Sunshine and Psalms. And what we're doing is we're spending the rest of the summer, we're going to go up uh, until the month of September, looking at some of the Psalms uh, in the Old Testament. Today, we're at Psalm 23. Uh, when I said that we were going to do a series from the Psalms, I'm sure that you knew that this Psalm would be one of them. Psalm 23 is probably uh, one of the most popular, one of the most quoted, one of the most familiar passages of Scripture uh, that we have. It has been referred to as the sweetest song ever sang. And <clears throat> I tell you, to be honest with you, it's a little intimidating uh, for me to try to preach from Psalm 23 because there have been countless sermons preached from this passage of Scripture. Uh, there's nothing new that I could add to this. Uh, I'm sure many would do a much more adequate and better job than I could do uh, preaching or teaching from Psalm 23. But you know, I believe that it's so familiar uh, that we often miss the depth of it. Um, the richness of it, and also the, the personal message that is in it for us. And so my prayer today is that it, it has not become so familiar to us that we've missed the message and missed the personal invitation, the personal message uh, to each and every one of us. For those of you familiar with it, which is probably everyone, uh, its setting is in a culture and a time of sheep and shepherds. And, uh, you know, uh, like most people, you know, in that time, they could have probably related to this a little better than you and I could relate to this today. Um, but we probably need to understand sheep a, a little bit better because, y'all, in Scripture, you and I, as followers of Jesus, are referred to as sheep over 200 times throughout the Word of God. And so I think it's important that we know and we understand why and what that means. And while that would have been very relevant, and maybe they would have understood it a little better back in David's day, um, we probably need to understand sheep a, a little better. Uh, so since I knew very little about sheep, I did a little research uh, and learned a few things from my good friend Mr. Google and Mr. Wikipedia, uh, who you can learn lots of things from. Uh, one, one, one of the strangest things about sheep that many of us probably don't know is that sheep can see almost a full 360 degrees without turning their head. That they can, uh, they can actually see 320 degrees uh, around them the way that their eyes work and the way that their eyes are located. Something else that we need to understand, since we are um, referred to often as sheep throughout the Scripture, is this. Sheep are considered to be one of the dumbest animals that there is. <laughs> um, actually, their IQ, sorry about that, their IQ is lower than that of a pig. I have no idea how you test the IQ of a pig, or you test the IQ of a sheep, but apparently there is a way that they have to test that. Uh, another thing about sheep is that they can become uh, easily stressed, easily panicked. Can you begin to see some of the relation maybe to us in our world today? Sheep refer to be in a group. Uh, and they tend to follow a leader very easily, but they're also easily spooked and easily scared. One unique quality about sheep is that they can recognize 
and they can differentiate between individual human voices. And they can remember those voices. So they know their shepherd's voice and they know the voice that they are supposed to be following, which I believe helps us understand even better this psalm that we're looking at uh, this morning. The first thing that we see here uh, in this psalm, and, and we heard, I appreciate Carla uh, reading for us uh, this morning, uh, but the first thing that we see here in this psalm is a personal relationship. So what I want you to do this morning, I know it's very familiar to you, you probably memorized this in a, maybe a different translation than what we're looking at today in the NIV. But what I want you to do today as we go through this, maybe just try to pretend you haven't heard it before. Or maybe just focus on, say, God, what is it through this today? Because there's a reason that I'm here. There's a reason that we're at this passage. So what is it that you have for me specifically from this passage of Scripture today? Maybe something fresh, maybe something new that you have for me right here and right now. And the first thing that we see here is this. It's this personal relationship between us and our shepherd. The psalmist David writes there in verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd. He's not just the shepherd. He says, He's my shepherd. As His sheep. As his children, as his followers, friends, that's our shepherd. He's, he's my shepherd. I know his voice. I know the voice that I'm supposed to be following. He is leading me. That's personal. That's a personal relationship. The God who said, I am who I am in Exodus chapter 3. The God whose name was so holy that those who wrote it would have to take a bath before they even wrote His name down. And they would have to destroy the writing utensil that they used after they wrote His name. And David says here in this opening verse, I am that very God, that holy God. He's my Father. He's my father, he's my shepherd, and he is the one who is watching out for me. He's watching over me. I, I was reminded in one of my devotions that I, I read this week that not only is he watching over me, but he goes before me, and he's behind me, and he walks beside me. That's who our shepherd is. That's what your shepherd does on your behalf. And David says here, he's my shepherd. He's watching out for me. And that's personal. A, a similar thought that he expressed in, in, in Psalm 8 when he said, Oh Lord, our Lord. Yes, he is powerful. Yes, he is omnipotent. Yeah, yes, he is personal. And he is mine. And I'm His. And that's a very, very personal relationship that we have with the shepherd. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 11 says, He tends His flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in His arms and carries them close to His heart. You feel that? Is it personal to you? In that way this morning, the Lord is my shepherd. He personally cares for me. And because of that, he says, I lack nothing. Because he is my shepherd. I will not lack anything that is necessary for me. And I will not lack anything that is good for me. I love the story of the little girl that she went home from church one day and her mom asked her, she said, well, what did y'all learn about in Sunday school today? The little girl said, we learned Psalm 23 and we all memorized it in our class before 
we were done today. And mom said, well, I would love to hear you share the 23rd Psalm with me. And the little girl replied, she said, the Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. (laughs) She had the words mixed up a little bit. But she had the message right. Listen, if Jesus is your shepherd, everything else is secondary. We could say it this way today. If the Lord is my shepherd, then I shall not want. If I am in want, then the Lord is not my shepherd. You see, being content is not having everything that you want. That's not what contentment is. You will never be content and get everything that you want. Being content means that you want everything that you have. And friends, the shepherd is enough. He is enough. Now, that's easier said than done. Being content, I don't know about you, but I have a little bit of trouble being content with what I have. Um, so I have an Amazon problem. I have a uh, Meadows automotive problem. Um, I believe that these words, uh, a fellow by the rain, name of Jason Lehman, summed me, sum me up perfectly and maybe some of you as well. It was spring but it was summer I wanted. He obviously was not from Arkansas. He said, it was spring, but it was summer I wanted, the warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted, the colorful leaves and the cool, dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted, the beautiful snow and the holiday season. It was winter, But it was spring I wanted, the warmth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted, the freedom and the respect. I was 20, but it was 30 that I wanted to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted, the youth and the free spirit and the energy. I was retired But it was middle age I wanted, the presence of mind without limitations. Then my life was over, and I never got what I wanted. Friends, we we wish away so much of our life wanting something else. But what we have in this personal relationship with our shepherd is greater than than anything that you don't have in your life. Then David says in verse 2, he says, this shepherd, this, per, this one that I have personal relationship with, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Our shepherd will take care of us. He will nourish us. And notice David says, he makes me lay down. He he makes me. I I read that that when a shepherd knew that his sheep were in distress and they were burdened or they needed rest, he would recognize that and he would force that rest upon them. Uh, I, I read somewhere that you actually can take a sheep's legs and fold it in a certain way that that sheep cannot uh, get back up and get its legs underneath them. And, and they would do that so that they would, they would be forced to rest and, and to lay down and get the much needed rest that they need. And friends, some of you have been there. You've been made to lay down. You may not have been ready for it. You may not even knew, known that you needed it. But he made you lay down. Maybe it was a sickness. Maybe it was an injury. Maybe some unexpected downtime. Maybe it was a two-year pandemic that made us just slow down. 
regroup. Sometimes the shepherd makes us lay down for our own good. And here's something else that I I learned about sheep. A hungry or a thirsty sheep will not lay down. They will stay on their feet looking for food and looking for water. And so the shepherd does what? He makes them lie down in green pastures where they can feed on the, the rich and sweet grass and rest and chew their cud while they're resting there. Some of us never slow down enough to enjoy the rich, sweet, green pastures that God has led us to. According to the National Institute of Health, again Google, 7% to 19% of adults reportedly do not get enough sleep. 40% reportedly fall asleep during the day at least once a month. And 50 to 70 million Americans have chronic sleep disorders. And if you think it's not a problem, just go to the Walmarts or the local drugstore and look in the sleep aid section, and it will tell you that we have a problem with resting and getting rest. Many of those that claim to have sleep disorders or don't feel that they are rested state that their lack of sleep was due to stress and anxiety. A sheep laying down in the green pasture of a shepherd, my friend, has no worries, has no cares, has no concerns. And after being fed, the the pastor, the shepherd, struggling. You may have to come up here and finish this. I don't even know. The shepherd then does what? He leads his sheep to still waters. This took on a whole new meaning to me in just the last few weeks. So, Lynette, I'm not the only one who has an Amazon problem. Just saying. But Lynette was ordering, not uh, a few weeks ago, she was ordering curtain rod rings. Okay? Uh, because everybody should have curtains in their barn. And so we're ordering curtain curtain rings. And I got a notification from Amazon that they had been ordered and that they had been shipped and that they were being delivered. And so I uh, went to the post office to get our mail. And I picked up the package from Amazon and uh, took it home. I laid it down there on the counter. And it it laid there for a few days, and, you know, we just knew it was curtain rod rings because we had been notified and and all this, you know. And so, Lynette, I guess she was getting ready to put the the curtains up, and she opened the package, and she said, well, this isn't what I ordered. This is not curtain rod rings. She said, this is a sound machine. It's a sleep machine. And... She said, did you order this? And I'm like, no, I I didn't order it. I don't even know what that is, you know? And so we went back and looked, and we verified she had ordered the right thing, and, you know, the shipping, everything matched, and my name was on there and all that, but they just sent us the wrong thing. Uh, How you go from curtain rod rings to a sleep machine? I, I don't even know. So I looked up, how much are the curtain rod rings? How much is the sleep machine? I'm like, we got a great deal. We got a better deal here. And so we kept the sleep machine uh, because, you know, I was just curious. And so plugged it in and began to go through the different things. You know, the majority of the things that are on a sleep machine, what they're sounds of? Water. Running water. Raining water. Thundering water, our favorite, the ocean waves. Yes, Lynette and I have slept on the beach for the last two weeks. We've got some good sleep, haven't we? 
Just have to put our sunscreen on before we go to bed. But <laughs> The psalmist, he understood this. The shepherd leads his sheep to a quiet place, to a restful place, to these quiet waters. He leads us to safe places. And friends, without his guidance, without us following the sound of his voice, we will end up in places that will harm us and aren't safe and won't be good for us. David is saying, what he's saying to us here is that our relationship with the shepherd is, yes, it is personal. And our shepherd provides. And now in verse 3, he says, and he refreshes. He refreshes my soul. Stop right now and just take a deep breath. He refreshes my soul. That word refresh, other translations, says restore. That means to bring back to the former or normal state. Or to make new again. Sheep that are, are too fat. Not implying anything here today. All right, Sheep that are too fat or have too much wool, they actually can lose their balance and fall over and get on their back and not be able to, to get back up, not be able to get their legs back under them. And so the shepherd would come along and roll them over and help them get back on their feet again. And they would hold it up and, and, and would rub it and speak softly to it to calm it and to reassure that it's okay. Everything's going to be all right. And what's he doing? He's restoring it. He's restoring it. And, and isn't that an absolutely beautiful picture of what God, our shepherd, does for us from time to time? How he restores and how he refreshes he, he looks for us when, when we've wandered and, and, and when we're hurt and when we're tired and when we're at the end of our rope and when we, it feels like we've been knocked off our feet. He comes along and He restores us and He stands us back up and He reassures us that He is a good God. He's a good shepherd, and He restores us. And He's a shepherd of second chances. And He's a shepherd of third chances. And He wants to bring us back into the flock. He wants to restore us. He wants to refresh us. He wants us to follow Him. So He helps us get back on our feet. And then David says not only that, but he continues in verse 3. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. And that word path here, I want you to think about what a path is this morning. Alright? You can see a path. It's well-worn, is it not? It's, it's an obvious, uh, well-defined trail. And again, we see how dumb sheep can actually be because even when the path is perfectly clear, even when the path is perfectly worn, uh, uh, worn, even when the shepherd is leading us down that exact path, sheep will stray from it. Sheep will stray from the path. But the shepherd knows the path well, and so he tries his best to guide them. He, he tries his best to encourage them. He tries his best to herd them and keep them on the right path. Listen, 
Our God knows the right path for you and I as well. He knows the right path for you. He's calling you. He's guiding you. He's trying to get you to stay on this path, His path, the right path. Other translations call it a a path of righteousness, which just simply means this. It's a path of rightness. It's the right path. It's the good path. And most of us know it. We can see it. We know it. We hear His voice. We know the path that we should be on and the path that we ought to take. But our selfishness, our pride, our wandering eye gets us off that path. And when we get off the path, friends, it is so easy when you get off the path to totally lose your sense of direction. I never forget, I'm, I'm easy to get lost. Um, so don't follow me. Uh, I can get lost anywhere. I was born and raised in Conway. Lynette says, it amazes me that someone that spent the majority of their life in Conway cannot find their way around Conway. Um, and so for some reason she knew that she took me to Quitman one day, uh, and I went squirrel hunting. Some of you heard the story before, uh, entertain me, but I was, was going squirrel hunting and, uh, Lynette's dad, I was going across the highway and he said, just whatever you do, he said, after you cross the fence into the woods, he said, two things to remember, don't cross the creek. And don't cross another fence, and you'll be fine. And so I cross the fence into the woods. Man, the squirrels are moving, and so I'm moving, and I'm watching the squirrels. And next thing I know, without even realizing it, I'm trying to, you know, get this to this squirrel. And, you know, there, there's the creek there, but it's okay. I'll, I'll cross the creek, and, and, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll come back and cross it on my way back out. And, I'm totally distracted. I'm on the other side of the creek. I'm turned around. I don't know where I'm at. I cross a fence. Come to find out it's the wrong fence. I keep walking, cross another fence, cross another fence. The next thing I know, where am I? I have no idea. But I am literally miles from home. Lynette comes home and it's dark and she tells his daddy, her daddy, he's from Conway. I can't believe you let him go into the woods by himself. (laughs) So I did what a city boy does. I just started listening for cars (laughs) and went that direction. And it was the wrong direction, but... I finally got back. But friends, that's what happens to us. Funny story. Ha ha. Steve got lost. He's an idiot. But isn't that all of us? We, we get off the path and we get distracted and we start going after this and going after that. And next thing we know, we're miles from where we ought to be. And miles from where we know we should be. But there we are. But the shepherd's voice never stops calling us to the right path. The safe path. The path that leads us where we need to be. And where we need to go. My prayer today is that some of you will hear that voice distinctly knowing you're not on the right path and you've got distracted but the shepherd's voice is calling to you today and then we see this psalm it it takes a turn here in verse 4 he writes even though I walk through the darkest valley some translations say the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Speaks of shadows, 
instead of sunshine. Speaks to the fact that God not only takes care of us in the bright days and the good days and the good times, but He also will guide us through the darkness. And He will guide us through those difficult seasons of life. And something that's interesting here is that we also see David make a change in the pronouns that he's using here. Because in the first few verses, David speaks of the shepherd using the pronouns he and his, referring to God, referring to the shepherd. Now when we come to the second half of this psalm, David begins to speak to the shepherd directly. You are with me. See how personal. He's reminded himself of this personal and caring relationship. And now even even the words that he uses changes here when he says, You are with me. Your rod. Your staff. You prepare You anoint. And I love this. When times are difficult, God becomes even more real to David. And many of you have experienced those times. And we're reminded here that that God's protection is with us not only in the green pastures, but also in the shadows. And in the dark times, the picture here is of a shepherd leading his sheep through the shadows. And as they go through the the rocky hills and terrain and the shadows of the valleys, sheep have a tendency to be spooked by shadows. But notice here, it says... You might want to underline this, that we walk through the darkest valley. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't have to stay there. We're not defeated there. We're not dead and buried there. We go through it. We're only passing through. And on the other side of the shadows, on the other side of the darkness is the light. And think about it. It's just a shadow. But a shadow can appear to be a whole lot more scary than it actually is, right? A shadow can appear to be a whole lot bigger than what the real thing actually is. The shadow of a dog can't bite me. (laughs) And the shadow of death can't harm me if I'm with the shepherd. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 55 reminds us that Jesus, our shepherd, has removed the sting of death and only the shadow of it remains. Amen? And if there is a shadow, it means there must be a source of light there somewhere. And that's the shepherd. David continues there in verse 4. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was uh, like a, a club. It was like a weapon that the shepherd would carry on his belt. It was uh, a weapon that was used to protect the sheep. Um, the shepherd would be very skilled in the use of this weapon and this rod that he had. The The staff we're probably more familiar with. It was, you know, a pole with a crook on the end. And and it would be made that way so that it could be hooked around maybe the leg of the sheep to pull it back from danger or to hook around its neck to to pull it from harm and and back into the flock. And, And so we should find comfort in God's power and His willingness to not only protect us, but to 
come after us, to reach out, to grab us, and, and sometimes, yes, even discipline us. And that word comfort means that we can have strength through this companionship and relationship that we have with the shepherd. We can be strong in the face of death and in darkness because of our shepherd, this comforting companion that wants to do life with us every moment of every day. And verse 5 goes on to say, You, you, my shepherd, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, the shepherd, before letting the sheep graze on a pasture, before turning them out on a pasture, he would go out on this this land, this meadow, this pasture, whatever it may be, and, and he would go out and, and he would inspect it to see if there were any poisonous plants that might make them sick. He also uh, would make sure that there weren't any predators in the area before leading the sheep out to this pasture. And so the sheep would know that when they were led to a pasture, when they were taken into a meadow to eat, they would know that this was a place that they were safe. And they could rest even though there may be enemies out on the outskirts. There, there might be threats uh, nearby. But they could rest because the shepherd had proven to them that he was faithful. And that he would do his job. And then it says, you anoint my head with oil. Now, some scholars say that there, there could literally be two meanings to what David's writing about here. Uh, some scholars say that this is relating to having dinner guests. Uh, back in their culture, uh, the host would often greet guests that would come to their home. He would greet them with some sort of perfume or, or some sort of, uh, of oil that smelled good. And he would apply it to their forehead as they would enter his home. Basically, it was a really gracious way of saying, you've not had a bath in a while. Don't stink up the place. Right? I mean, they didn't have built-in showers. and They didn't have these fancy soaking tubs that everybody's getting now. And so, let's just do everybody a favor and give you a swipe before you come in the house. This was a custom every one of that day would have been familiar with. But from a shepherd's standpoint, another meaning that scholars say we could take from this was that this was related to an oil that would be used with their sheep. That they literally would have certain oils that they would put on the sheep's head that would repel insects. Sheep had a real problem with flies, uh, especially around uh, their nose. And, and, and those of you that have, have never, those of you that have ever tried to take a nap and a fly trying to land on you, you just know there's no rest from that, right? They just will not go away. And so a fly literally could drive a sheep crazy. Matter of fact, and I know this is gross, but there was a certain kind of fly back in this day um, that would literally get up in their nose, lay eggs, they would turn to maggots, and it would just, it would just torment a sheep to death. It would ultimately kill it. Sometimes the sheep would just go crazy because all of this that was going on in its head, it would bang its head against the rocks and it would kill itself just from going crazy from this. And oh, by the way, if you need to know more about this and the kind of fly that was, Kevin McNabb knows all the info on it, right? They got rid of them basically in the 1940s and there's a story behind it. But... What the shepherd would do, would he would apply the oil to the sheep that would prevent this, prevent these flies from landing on their nose that would literally cause them to freak out. And so he would cover, he would anoint their head with oil. oil. It was also used as a medication. Maybe they got in a thorn bush or maybe they got cut by a sharp rock. 
the shepherd would take this oil and he would apply it to the wound so that it wouldn't become infected and that it would heal. Friends, all of these paint an absolutely beautiful picture of what the shepherd does for you too. What he does for us as his sheep. He wants to anoint us with protection from the very things that drive us crazy. And when we're wounded, he wants to bring healing to those open wounds that can fester and infect our righteousness. Some of you may have something that drives you crazy. Someone that drives you crazy. Maybe you have an open wound that just don't seem to heal. And it continues to fester and get worse. Then I would encourage you today. Let the shepherd draw you close. And apply the very oil that you need. And then the song says this, my cup overflows. This actually can have two meanings as well. One representing the cup that the shepherd would literally carry with him. And he often would share a drink uh, with a sheep that he felt uh, might be getting in distress or needing some water. A good shepherd would be very generous with water because he knew the importance of fresh water to his flock. The other meaning could be that, again, of a dinner host. Someone that was hosting company at their house. And, and what he would do is they would come in and he would pour uh, their drinks into cups until it literally overflowed. And, and he would keep their cup full. This was a custom of their time and of their day to show your guests that they were welcome. And that they could stay as long as the cup was full, uh, full they're invited uh, to stay. But if you found that your cup was empty and the host wasn't refilling your cup, then it was time for you to go. It was time to leave. Lynette's daddy used to say, let me go to bed so y'all can go home, right? It'd be kind of like that. But when the host really enjoyed the company, when he really wanted to spend time with them and he wanted them to, to stay, he would continue to fill their cup to overflowing. Friends, that's our shepherd. That's our God. He continues to pour our cups to overflowing. Why? Because he enjoys our company. Because he wants to be with us and he wants us to, to want to be with him and to spend time with him. And he desires that. He craves that. His children would just want to spend time with their father. Those of you that have kids, you know the importance of that. You, you know how awesome it is to have your kids come visit. Your kids want to spend time with you. Your kids to tell you, boy, I'm really enjoying the day. I love you. I love being with you. That's what our father wants from us. Nothing more. And then David says in verse 6, as he wraps it up here in this short little psalm that I'm taking forever to get through, I understand. He says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I love the way the message paraphrases this. It says, your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. That's your shepherd. That's who he is. That's what he does. His beauty, His goodness, His love chases after us, draws us, calls to us, longs to be with us. That's who He is. That's what He does. What a picture of our God. That's His goodness. And we receive His goodness and His love and His mercy by not receiving what we actually deserve. His goodness and His love is what led Jesus to the cross where the shepherd, the good shepherd, 
gave his life for his sheep. He laid down his life for his sheep. That's you and that's me. Friends, we have everything we need now and everything we need later. As David wraps it all up and he says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of my shepherd. That special shepherd forever. The psalm begins with this awesome statement. The Lord is my shepherd. And it concludes with an even more awesome statement. And someday I'll be with my shepherd forever. The sheep have been following the shepherd to green pastures. The sheep have followed the shepherd through shadowy valleys. The seasons have changed. And now they're coming home. <laughs> the flock is now ready to winter in the safe harbor of the Good Shepherd's home. Listen, we can enjoy the presence of the shepherd and have everything that we need in this life. And because we know his voice, and because he has been faithful to feed us. He's been faithful to take care of us. He has restored us. Refreshed us. Renewed us. And he's led us down the right path. Because of that, we cannot wait to spend eternity with him. Forever. With my shepherd. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this awesome reminder today. And my prayer has been that somebody in this place or someone maybe even listening online would hear that voice. And it's a voice that they're probably familiar with. It's a path that maybe they once traveled. Or maybe it's just someone that's been floundering out in the thicket. For so long. And they've gotten so far away from the shepherd that they could not hear the voice. But yet, he keeps looking for them. He keeps searching. And he keeps calling. And today, wherever we are, we can hear his voice. We can hear him calling. We can hear him coming. Because he wants nothing more than us to be on the path with him. So I trust what you're doing today. I trust the shepherd. You've proven yourself to me time and time and time again. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for what you're doing. Thankful for that voice. Thankful for that love. My prayer is that we would all find ourselves together and united on that right path together. That path that's going to lead us home. Home forever with our shepherd. God, I pray for those in our church today that are struggling and going through difficult times and situations. Pray for our dear sister Anita. She's there in the hospital room today, awaiting surgery tomorrow. 
God, work in her. Do a work in her physically, emotionally. I pray that she would sense the restoring and refreshing. That applying of oil to the wounds, the cancer. God, we pray that you would do what only you could do. Pray for Trent. Pray for Kay. Jimmy Carter. Robert. Brad. Wanda. So many in our church battling illness. Battling cancer. Battling surgeries. And you're a good shepherd. That will draw us close and carry us when we don't have the strength to walk. I pray that that would be exactly what you do in their lives today. God, I pray for the other churches in our community and across this nation and all around our world today. God, we need an outpouring of your power and your presence in this world today. And that comes in and through us as your sheep, as your followers. God, I pray that as we go from this place that we would represent you in such a way that other people would hear your voice and be drawn to you because of our lives and how we live out our faith in front of others. And so I pray for our churches. God, I pray for my good friend, Brad, it just seems like uh, struggle after struggle for their church family, but they're the body. They're the body of Christ. And I know that you're using him and they're, you're using that church for your good and your glory. I pray that you give them fruit for their faithfulness and their obedience to you today. And God, yes, we do pray for not only physical needs in the lives of our people, but also the physical need for rain. Our, our land is dry and parched, and God, we need rain. And so we come to the very one that can make it rain. But God, again, most importantly, we pray for living water in the souls of those who are dry, souls of those who are parched, and need a refreshing drink. Need that life-giving water that can only come from our good shepherd. Thank you for that kind of love. Thank you for caring for us that much. I love you. And I thank you for loving me. And it's in the power of our Savior. And our good shepherd that we pray and ask these things. Amen. I love you all. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week.